Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. My son. Son, just who are you? Long have I awaited you, and much sorrow have I endured. I shall now entrust you with my strength. In doing so, my pain will only grow, but there is no other way. Break from your past and overcome the darkness. Only then will you receive the holy power. You must defeat the dark knight within you. What's going on? There are two of them. Cecil! Hey! Look out! Stay back. This is my battle, one I must fight alone to atone for my wrongs. Class is in session, and today we are talking about... Lunar Whales, Redemption, and Dragoons. As always, I am your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming back to the university the godfather and founder of that nerdy site, and friend to pretty much everybody, and the master of magnificent flowing locks, Mr. Trevor Starkey. How's it going, Trevor? It is going well. I am very glad to be back. Um, I I was looking through your your listing a couple months ago, and I was like, I don't think you guys have done this game yet, right? <laughs> and uh, and we sure haven't. enough, you had not. So I was like, all right, well, this is definitely one I want to talk about. I know, and with the Pixel Remaster coming out last month, or was it earlier this month? I No, it was last month. Um, figure, what better time to talk some Final Fantasy IV? But yes! We are talking about the first 16-bit Final Fantasy this time. Originally releasing in 1991. It released in Japan on July 19th, 1991, the original version. They also eventually... back, And then in October, on October 19th of 1991, Japan got the quote-unquote easy type, which also would see its North American release on November 23rd, 1991. This game also has a metric crap ton of ports and remasters and such, including PlayStation, Wonderswan Color, Game Boy Advance, the iMode, Easy Web, Yahoo in Japan, apparently. Um, probably my favorite version uh, of the Final Fantasy IV title uh, games, really. Final Fantasy IV, the complete collection on PlayStation Portable. The Pixel remaster that just came out for iOS, Android, and PC. Just to name a few, but this game has come out on a lot of platforms. But to get all you listeners' minds kind of back in the mindset of when, uh, at least we kind of initially played it, or myself initially played it, all the way back in 1991, here are some other games you might have been playing that same year. Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past released, Battletoads on the NES, Mega Man 4, Metroid 2, Return of Samus, Sonic the Hedgehog, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, and Final Fantasy Legend 3, just to name a few. Quite the quite the heavy hitter year, Trevor. Yeah. It was quite quite the year. Um but when was kind of your first experience with uh, Final Fantasy 4? 
I was probably 91 or 92. Um, I played this was mm. this was the very first Final Fantasy I ever played. Um, uh, obviously, last time I was on, we talked about Final Fantasy VI, which was is my favorite of the Final Fantasies. Um, but this mm. was very much like the one that got me into things. Um, and I I remember diving into this and just falling so in love with these characters and. And the like, the story that was being told. Um, I think I talked mm-hmm. on the the Final Fantasy VI episode about like that game kind of really opening my eyes to what storytelling could be in video games. And I think that mm-hmm. was just because like I I didn't think about games in that way when I was playing Final Fantasy IV here slash two at the time. Um, I like I was playing it and I was loving it, but I wasn't thinking of it in like a oh this is like a grand story. Like that's obviously there, and and I'm mm-hmm. feeling all of those things, but I was you know seven or eight. I'm not like I'm not processing those things as as I uh, mm-hmm. as I would with uh, with the later uh, installment. But but yeah, this is definitely this this ranks as my number two in the Final Fantasy ranking and my personal ranking of things. Um, so I've I've always loved this one, and uh, and hopping back into it nowadays with like the pixel remaster and stuff is fun. Um, I didn't see it in your list, your breakdown, but this also had like a the the DS, the Nintendo DS, like. 3D remaster, yeah, from ground re- ground up remake. That's right. Yeah, I remember. I remember that one, and like, and it has like voice acting and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. uh, and I like I I loved that because I was like, oh, yeah. like they did a great job of taking like the 2D version of it and bringing it into a 3D space and and giving us those characters in a 3D on a DS kind of mm-hmm. kind of model. Um, and and I remember getting to to see that and being like, oh, please give us something like this for Final Fantasy VI now, please, please do this kind of remaster. <laughs> oh, and and sadly, we've not gotten that yet. But um, but yeah, this like the and like this was also around the time that like they did the after years, all those years later, and gave us like a sequel, which admittedly less less you know stellar or anything like that but it was still cool that they decided to like go back and revisit these characters um mm-hmm. because there was such a such a deep love for it on a personal level well, and even- oh yeah uh, i was just gonna jump in real quick and and like oh, on, for sure. on a personal level um tella is one of my you know all-time favorite characters from this game and i used tella as basically the model for my old trevor trove logo um, back the the first site I did before mm-hmm. that nerdy site, um, like I had little pixel Trevor with like the the sunglasses and stuff. And because I have crazy hair and Tella has crazy hair, I basically just used uh, like his sprite as the baseline <laughs> and like did a palette swap and made like a few minor tweaks here and there. But if you look at that, uh, if if you look at that old sprite of of uh, video, like mm-hmm. pixel Trevor, it's pretty much just Tella um, uh, remapped and and uh, had a f- ton of fun with that. And I always like. When people would be like, oh, my God, like, Aerith is so sad in Final Fantasy VII. I was like, you weren't there for Tella, guys. Like, I've been around this block before. That's maybe why it didn't hit me as as much. Oh, yeah. And completely, completely agree with that. Like, coming in, I think there are many previous deaths, earlier deaths than uh, Aerith that were as Mm -hmm. hard-hitting. Or were harder-hitting than Aerith. But kind of touching on After Years, I mean, that was a Wii downloadable, like, episodic downloadable thing first before it got the 3D remake, and the 3D remake is... adds so many features and mechanics and, and whatnot. It's It feels so much more like a brand new game, just sharing the story, but equally fantastic. Um, for me, I probably didn't 
play or experience Final Fantasy II the first time probably till the later 90s. Mm. Um, just because at this time when it came out, I was three, so I was a little like Fair. I wasn't reading. <laughs> yeah, so it was a bit. It was a bit above my uh, my head at that point, but. I remember going over to my friend's house who lived down the street. The same person who introduced me really to the Final Fantasy series uh, initially with Final Fantasy VI and and whatnot. But I remember him playing it and seeing the the Red Wings at the very beginning of the game, him starting it up. I, I have very fond, vivid memories of all that. And yeah, like the epic grandiose story that's introduced here. Um, I almost want to say I probably played six before I played two, mm. but, um, but no, it's just an incredibly impressive game. And especially for like looking back now and seeing what all they were able to accomplish in the early nineties on Super Nintendo, it's incredibly, incredibly impressive. Yeah, definitely. And is, this is one that, I mean, going back to like me playing it when I was probably still too young to fully process everything. I remember mm-hmm. going back and playing that the the uh, you know the 3D remake version of it, or probably even like the PlayStation One um, port when when uh, that came out with in collections. In one, yeah, in one of I the collections. Like I remember playing that and like having completely different memories of the game. Like when I think of Final Fantasy IV slash two, mm-hmm. like everybody dies. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like. Like Pal and Porum have their, you know, their iconic scene, and Yang and Sid, and like I remember all of those characters just being dead, and because because you lose them, they're no longer mm-hmm. in your party, and and I didn't remember them like coming back in the story or or surviving in yeah. in their different areas, like they were all kind of in the same boat as Tella for me, of like all these characters died, yeah. and like their spirits kind of like bolster you up and help you out through the 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 kind of final chapters of your journey and stuff, but. Like going back and and like realizing, oh, that's not really what happened. Um, I just didn't <laughs> process that correctly as a as you mm-hmm. know a six or seven year old or whatever. Um, and uh, and appreciate like if it it was like finding the game anew basically when I, when I would go back and and replay it. Um, I I even um, in kind of anticipation for this, I was I booted up like my original SNES thing because there's still a part of like me in the back of my mind. It's like. No, I think really in that original version of the game, those characters actually do die. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, but no, no, that's 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 just my 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 head playing tricks on me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like I, that was just another like the the weird way that you know memory kind of is affected by uh, by you know when we are exposed to these things over time. I think um, is is another just fun oh, memory yeah. I have with Final Fantasy Four. <laughs> hmm. Uh, kind of along those same lines. It's funny to think back, like, playing this game, there's always moments that I remember being, like, incredibly difficult. Like, even, even playthroughs nowadays, it's like, I dread getting to a part, but when I get to, like, a boss fight, it's like, oh, this is this really isn't all that bad. It's, it's funny how our memories of the challenges we had early on, like, the first playthroughs can still impact you. Even today, like yeah. decades later. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, there, there, 
there were some fights as I've been like replaying this. I'm like, oh man, that like that Bagan fight uh, in it when you when you make your way back to Baron yeah. or whatever. It's like I remember that being like impossible, <laughs> and I had to like mm-hmm. grind so much, and and now I can just kind of like smoke it because like I know the strategy for those fights, and I like I I I've, I have played enough video games at this point to know you know the strengths and weaknesses of things. Like I probably wasn't. Uh, like uh, this being one of my first RPGs ever, I probably wasn't really thinking about things in the context of like, oh, this is a water type, then let's use lightning against him, and uh, like, uh, and, yeah. and you know that'll do crazy extra damage. Even the lo- the ant lion fight, one of the you know the er- very early oh, yeah. bosses, like you you fight that game or you fight that boss. And you have, like, Edward in your party who's, like, just this incredibly weak character. And so, like, I just remember that always being impossible because I was, like, I only have one guy in this in my party that can, like, do any damage and stuff. And, mm. I like, it was – I wasn't using Rydia and her magic or something like that. And, and, uh, and so, like, going back and just, like, realizing how to play these games better now makes them way mm. easier. And then they also – there's also, oh, yeah. you know, the the, the – especially like modern versions like the pixel remaster and stuff have, you know, Oh, it makes it way easier to grind because you can, you know, auto, you can turn on auto fighting or something and you can just kind of run around real quick and, and level up a little bit here and there. Um, so that, that definitely helps as well. But yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating, like going back and, and just thinking back to like needing the Nintendo power guides to like, just having to like play that with like, you know, in right there in hand to even try some of these things. Um, uh, and it's like, Oh no, that like the hints and the tools are, are there and they're introduced, you know, Mm -hmm. all throughout. Uh, I just wasn't like thinking critically at that time or whatever. Yeah. I just had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, It's like, I will. I remember when I first realized years later that, cause I growing up, I would just always, attack or use magic with Ridian. it's like oh she wastes all her magic and stuff but like then when i learn you can just use rods and they do like magic attacks and do a lot more damage without spending mp i was like well this makes so much more sense yep. like- yeah i one of my uh playing the the uh the remaster the pixel remaster in particular i i'm still trained from playing like the original snes version when we you get like the bow and arrows you had to buy like every individual arrow. Arrow. Yeah. And so like, I was like, I think you still have to do that. Right. Like you still had to do that in this game. And I buy it and I spent way more money because it's like, no, they've, they've taken that away from the pixel remaster. Like you only need one arrow and you can equip it and it will just like, you will just reuse that arrow. I was like, that's, that's great. But I also spent, you know, 500 (laughs) like GP on, on arrows that I thought I was going to need. So oops. Um, but yeah, that's the, just like, I remember that being a thing in like the early nineties mm-hmm. of like, if you're going to buy arrows, they're going to be like super cheap. Um, but you're going to need to like, you, if you use one, if you, if you shoot an arrow, you, that arrow is gone and you're going to need to make sure yeah. you have like plenty in reserve for a fight or something. Um, and then I just love like, like that, that is like, that almost like conditioned me to, to be prepared for that in these games. Mm hmm. Did you ever use like Rosa as a primarily an archer? I I mean no I mean she's for she's, that reason she's certainly mostly my my healer but like if I needed her to do damage or I would I would have her usually with the the bow and arrow equipped because I wasn't going to be using her her staff to do 
to do attack damage. Um, if mm-hmm. if I so if I wasn't going to use her for like healing or you know the the one or two like actual attack spells that she gets, um, I like I was using her bow and arrow. So yeah, I usually had her with you know an iron arrow or whatever you get kind of later on in the game. Um, if especially if if I'm going into um, like once I started figuring out like elemental weaknesses and stuff like that, if I'm going to go into, you know, a fight against Rubicant or something like that, I'm going to bring in some, bl- some ice arrows for her, mm-hmm. um, so that it can get a little bit extra damage if I don't need her healing my entire party every turn or something like that. Yeah. So with, we, we kind of touched on this. So what versions of final fantasy 4 have you played oh uh, probably probably most of them um i i definitely played the the snes version uh the playstation version i have the game boy advance version um i probably didn't like play that one all the way through um mm-hmm. uh but i did like i picked it up on the wii as like a virtual console thing alongside the uh the after years uh and then mm-hmm. i have the playstation portable version as well Basically, like I have the PS like one classic that I played on yeah. PlayStation Portable or Vita, um, uh, and then I have like I I have I think both versions of Steam uh, uh, that are on Steam now, um, and then the the DS version. So yeah, I, I I've I've played it many a time over the years. It's <laughs> it's like that one and Final Fantasy VI. I was pretty much buying every time. Like the only one I yeah. the only version I don't really have is like the mobile one or the weird ones mm. that are like Japan only. Yeah, uh, damn damn that Square because I'm the same way. It's like we we gripe about oh they're remaking it again or something. It's like but I can't <laughs> stop myself from buying it again. Damn yeah, it. I mean like if. I, if I hadn't gotten, uh, you know, a, a, a retro or not a, a, a Super NT from like analog recently so I could play like my old Super Nintendo cartridges, I just... I did too. I wouldn't have like a regular way to play this because I am i don't play on PC that much. So yeah, like when they announced mm-hmm. the Pixel Remasters, I'm very much one of those people. Oh, also shout out to you, by the way, because I totally used your, your RPG site oh. thing to pull in like the font. Um, so, so I'm Thank not you. using the crappy, crappy font. Um, oh, I know. Uh, but yeah, I totally use that for the Pixel Remaster because I'm just not typically a, a PC guy, especially, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm working all day in front of my, my PC, I don't, the, the last thing I really want to do at the, in my, at, my, at the oh, night yeah. is, is sit down and play there. So, like, since I retired my PS3, you know, years ago and couldn't play, Mm -hmm. like, the PS Classic version, I haven't booted up my Vita in I don't know how long. So I just didn't have, like, uh, a a better way to play the game for the last, you know, seven or eight years. And so that's when I'm like, okay, I guess I have to either pick it up on Steam or, you know, buy something that I can actually Mm -hmm. boot up my old Super Nintendo uh, um, uh, cartridge on. Yeah. so yeah, like it's I I would love it if they, you know, brought it to a Switch or to, you know, the the, you know, ideally like something like Xbox where I can buy it on <laughs> Xbox and I know it's going to be backwards mm-hmm. compatible there. <laughs> so I can just have yeah. it there uh and enjoy it on, you know, whatever future Xbox device I have. Um but then also like uh, like yeah, I I am definitely a sucker for rebuying it. Um I I fully own up to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um 
but it's it, it is because it's it it is so near and dear to my heart of like it was my introduction into the series. Like I I played two and three slash four and six, and then I played like uh, the uh, Mystic Quest, uh, you know, a ton on on Super Nintendo because I didn't know at the time mm. that that was like a crappy version of uh, oh of, yeah of you know the series. Um, and I didn't go back and play the original Nintendo version until like years and years later. Um, uh, just because it was it was one I missed, you know, originally. Mm-hmm. Like we ended up getting it like at a swap meet or something like that um, for the original Nintendo, and then I played it. But then, <laughs> but I had been spoiled by the characters and and stories of two oh, of, yeah. of, of of four and six at that point. So like it felt like a step back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I did. I remember distinctly in the lead up to twelve uh, when that when Final Fantasy twelve came out. I went through and basically played like replayed every Final Fantasy that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was probably like the first time I played Final Fantasy V because that one had taken so long to get over here. Um, and I remember like playing through all of them at that point and like creating my own little ranking for uh, for for the series. And that's when I kind of cemented like six and four, my top two. Uh, and then we get mm-hmm. we get into some of the, uh, the PlayStation ones, uh, the original PlayStation. And then I have like, like I have like the ones I really love and then, the ones I really don't, and then like everything else mm-hmm. is just kind of in the middle. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm, I'm still a sucker. They still, they still get me so, so many times. Um, <laughs> and if they, you know, I, I bought the whole Pixel Remaster bundle on Steam. If mm-hmm. it comes to a console, I will probably buy it there too. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. It's interesting. Like with me, I, lo- I really like the story in Final Fantasy IV, and I think the characters are really well done. But in the scheme of things, I feel like it's more of a story. I'm just playing and less, and not as much a role playing game. I and this is a similar criticism I have with like Final Fantasy IX. It's the lack of control of who's in your party mm-hmm. er, kind of irks me about some of the Final Fantasy games. Like I love the characters and everything, but I really wish in Final Fantasy IV, seeing as a lot of the side characters weren't dead. That when you went to the moon, you could choose your party, like who are you taking with the moon, or being able to swap in the other characters. And I think like, one I, of I the versions like does that. I think it might be the Game um, Boy Advance version. Does like like once you get to that point, I think you can swap people in and out. Um, maybe I maybe that's another like fiction that I've created in my mind. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like I remember going into in Mesidia, like the tower in Mesidia, and you have like all of those like former party members there and you can kind of like talk to them and they'll join you and somebody else will step out. But I might be, I might be misremembering that too. But yeah, but I, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that sentiment and that was very much uh, a similar, that's, that's probably why um, six, you know, it like rises Mm -hmm. above this, uh, this one for me is because you do have that flexibility and, and that, you can choose which party members you want to use. Um, whereas I, I, I love the robust nature of the cast of characters in this one, but it is very much like for this part of the game, this is who you have. You don't have Mm -hmm. like, you don't have a lot in the way of like options on that front. Yeah. And even like with the characters, because they fit such a very specific archetype, you're never able, I feel to really experiment with your gameplay. It's like, okay, Rydia, do I want her to cast spells or summon? Like, yeah. I mean, there's. I wish there was more 
area for experimentation with this game outside of, okay, who am I going to put in the front or back row? And am I just going to, like, limit myself and have, like, one party member always dead? Uh, yeah. Like, and, and it's a testament, I think, also to the strength of the characters you lose. Like, kind of the interactions with Palom and Porum. Mm-hmm. Um, Edward's kind of growth as a character, as the prince, and, and all that, in kind of the gruff kind of fatherly figure of Sid, I would have loved to see potential interactions with them, like on the moon. Yeah. Um, with all these things going as, because you do spend time with them, you get to know them, you develop a bond with them only to have them. You don't even have a choice to take them into the final fights, um, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, and it's possible that I view it that way just because I did play final fantasy six first, where, you had so many characters and so many different options and in so many points of the game, you could split up your party however you wanted. It was, and then going back to a very regimented, you don't get to choose. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially like in, in the, in the grand scheme of things, this obviously falling between three and five, like mm-hmm. where both those games, you pretty much can like go crazy with job classes and stuff like that yeah um and yeah getting i mean like and and that's admittedly an issue with six too is that like the characters do kind of have their specific thing that they're good with but since you can give everybody magic through the esper system like Mm -hmm. you can you can customize them in, in whatever way you want but then you have that extra layer of you can choose who's in your party um yeah so there's there's at least that additional level of flexibility that yeah this this one certainly doesn't doesn't give and and it was kind of a a departure of like hey let's let's tell a story with with these things and you know by the end we're going to need to give you kind of these these main archetypes your your warrior your white mage mm-hmm. your black mage uh your your ninja and your dragoon um mm-hmm. and that's 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 who you're going to have going into the the you know the final chapter uh of this game um and that that definitely does kind of limit the the flexibility of it that's that's absolutely a fair criticism of uh of the game and it's interesting, and granted we didn't know at the time, just how different 4 is compared to the two games that kind of sandwich it. Mm-hmm. Like, with such the big customizations of two games with arguably some of the most robust job systems of the entire franchise, and then a very regimented, this is what you get in the middle. I, it's an interesting design decision. I, mean, uh, I definitely think it I feel. it is like it is in favor of the stories that mm-hmm. they're trying to tell. Oh yeah, like the the brotherly rivalry mm-hmm. between Cecil and Kane that you that you kind of get, and and you know the the betra- the the Kane very much being like the biblical Cain yeah. kind of archetype is is a fascinating thing that like you if if oh if Kane if you allow Kane to be like a magic user or something like that maybe it doesn't have the same punch. Um, as as mm-hmm. it does with these characters having the abilities that they have and being who these characters are. Like I I remember like when when you lose Rydia and then she comes back and she doesn't use right, white magic anymore. I was like, oh that sucks. I don't. What if I needed that other mm-hmm. healer? Because you know Cecil Paladin Cecil doesn't doesn't really work as a healer all that much. Like <laughs> in a pinch, sure. But like I remember I remember even that being like oh like you you took an element of this character that I liked and I don't have that anymore because like by that point you've all, you've lost Tella so like you don't have 
anybody that can that mm-hmm. is just your your mage character that can do you know both. Um, yeah, uh, and and like even the the duo of Palum and Porum, like they're they're long gone by that point too. So um, so yeah, it was like oh okay, I but even that like I I appreciate Rydia as a character regardless of like mm-hmm. the abilities I I end up being able to use with her and the fact that you can like do all those like like this was certainly the first one um that i you know i was exposed to where you had like side quests where you can get extra summons because yeah um, be, like that you can like you know f- discover and unlock through you know battles and and stuff like that i thought that was really cool even the like and i i so rarely ever get them but like even the fact that you can like get imp as a summon like very early in the game mm-hmm. and stuff is like you know, like I didn't learn that until years later. Um, but I, I love that. Yeah. Like that's an option in there. It's, it's, you know, that was like the equivalent of like f- actually getting a shiny Pokemon in one of the Pokemon games or something. <laughs> it happens just so rarely and so randomly that, um, I remember just being like, Oh, this is like, this is a new thing that I didn't know was possible. Yeah. And those drop rates for those monster summons are ludicrously low. Yeah. Um, I mean, even in the pixel remasters, they had to patch in, so it was slightly more likely you would they would drop them. But in the old SNES version, it was it was uh, ridiculous. In in terms of the side quests, I think this game did have some pretty good side quests. I mean, you had the whole village of uh, the summoners where you could get um, like Bahamut and Leviathan, and um, you had um, well, Bahamut's on the moon. Kind of, it's Leviathan and, and Asura right. that you can get. In the, that's and right, then there's the and there's Queen. like the the like land of the sylphs um that you, mm-hmm. you can get them as like a as a bonus um yeah it's like it was just like oh and, and like odin you can find odin under baron mm-hmm. um and i like i remember that that's one that like i could never get odin i was i was never able to do enough damage before he would just kill you and i was like how do you do mm-hmm. this and it was like i just didn't realize you know, six, seven-year-old Trevor, oh, this is something you're supposed to come back for way later. <laughs> um, and mm. and you're supposed to be, like, super powered up and super leveled up and, and grind a ton to try and do that. Don't try and do that, like, as <laughs> at the earliest point you can. It's not going to go well for you. Yeah. Um, one aspect, and, like, kind of the secret bosses on the moon were to get, like, the ultimate weapons, I thought, were, were a clever way... And really challenging, I have to say. Yeah, absolutely. Like you got so many, like so many dragons up there hiding, hiding things like the mm-hmm. Massamoon sword and stuff like that. Yeah. And speaking of it, what was your thought, or how do you? What are your feelings on the whole? Let's go to the moon, like the lunar whale. I mean, like nowadays, I certainly think it's like crazy and silly and funny. But then also I've spent the entire summer playing Final Fantasy fourteen finally and getting into that because they teased the Endwalker like expansion yeah. coming out where I'm like, I, yeah, I want to go back to the moon and relive that like memory that I had because, you know, as a six, seven year old kid, like that discovery and going to the moon and like it, like I was like, this is the coolest thing in the same way that like I love Final Fantasy six, the audacity of like the world of balance ends and you spend half the game mm-hmm. in the world of ruin. Um, I love the audacity of like, we're going to like, you're going to the moon. <laughs> like you've, you've done all this stuff. Not like, cause you've also already been set up at that point of like, you did everything in the overworld and then you had to go into the underworld 
And now mm-hmm. you're leaving the world entirely, and you're going to yet a third area of, of this game. I remember just that being, like, so blowing my mind um, for, oh, for yeah. like, how do they, like, how did they fit so many things in this game? Um, so, yeah, getting into getting into Lunar Rail and, and, you know, going up to the moon was, like, and then flying around, you know, the, the, the surface of the moon and finding those, you know, caves that aren't really like the main path and like the finding the cave of like the naming ways and stuff like that just being like uh, awesome love it um yeah so yeah it's like and that cool cinematic where you're taking off and you see the moon coming yeah up and... i mean yeah it's very very one of those like early uh uh like you know v- very early like cut scene in that like oh we're gonna like we're just gonna it's it's a thing we have and we're just mm-hmm. gonna zoom in on it for you um to to you know show the passage of uh, of the distance there but it it worked for you know for for my, t- my tiny brain at that point uh i loved it um, and then you get you yeah. get the inverse you know when you go back to earth um mm-hmm. yeah it's uh yeah it's fantastic and fasuya the old man super sage on the moon mm-hmm. That you get like as oh there's another character here and then you don't get him for like super long and it's it is really really a such a cool moment in in meaningful like in RPG history and like Final Fantasy history like there will always be like you have the suplexing of the train you have so many moments like the Sephiroth or Sephiroth stabbing Aerith there's so many moments that is quintessential Final Fantasy goodness. And I think that first trip to the moon or waking up the lunar whale to go to the moon uh, rank high up among the greats. Yeah, I mean, like, that's that's one thing that, like, this game has so many of those kinds of moments for me because there's, there's that one, absolutely. There's um, there's Palam and Porum sacrificing themselves for you to get away um, as, mm-hmm. as the walls are literally closing in on you. Um, uh, and I mean, there's, there's like, even, I mean, like, of course, as, as somebody who, you know, loves like you old fuddy duddy from Final Fantasy VI, I love that you spoony bard came, uh, first, uh, in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, that like, I just like, this was probably like the first game I, where I, I experienced those kinds of moments, these like iconic story beats, the, I know somebody commented on it in uh, in the doc um uh in here uh talking about the like smacking yang with the frying pan to like snap him out of what he's dealing with in the underworld mm-hmm. the, i mean even the like leviathan knocking your party members out of a ship or something like that like there are just so many great cutscenes in this the bomb of uh blowing up the village of the summoners like you you, you destroying mm-hmm. like this that you didn't realize you destroyed this kid's mom and then like you burn her town to the ground because you were sent there you know uh with this with this mission like i like there're just so many iconic for me iconic moments oh, yeah. like that um that that like hopping in and and kind of booting up the the picture master and just like all of those memories flooding back to me like Tella again sacrificing himself with Medio slash Meteor, um, uh, the spell that you, like you could never cast because you didn't have enough magic points in uh, as playing <laughs> as that character. Um, but he he sacrifices himself to try and like get that revenge on Golbez and um, like and again the like the the constant like is Kane on your side or is he not? 
um, that you get so frequently throughout the campaign. Like, I remember, like, I, I don't know if I can trust this guy or not. Or, or like, is he under spell? Because, like, it's peppered in there that, like, Mm-hmm. It didn't take a lot to like tip him to the dark side. Like he had jealousy brooding kind of underneath, um, yeah. and, and this resentment. Um, and uh, and like I just like for for especially when this game comes out in in kind of the SNES timeline of things, it was just such a you know leap up narratively, especially um, since we didn't get a couple of those other uh, games in the series until later mm-hmm. um here in the states um just yeah so so many of those kinds of moments just immediately flood back to me like sid sacrificing himself to blow up the you know the the entrance down to the underworld or whatever and, and uh yeah i just like i i like every one of these characters it it you you do get great moments with them and so when they aren't in your party anymore it can't be in your party anymore it does suck and mm-hmm. and maybe that is why i thought they you know they died and didn't come back because they just weren't back in your party um uh and and they all have these like iconic things like you know yang blowing up a tower with his you know kick from hell or whatever and and, yeah. and sid you know jumping out like it's like there's really no way sid's going to jump out of the airship blow up this hole in the ground and live but he does um and yeah, just like in Palm and Purim, like they turned themselves to stone. How did they unturn? Like, how did how does that spell get undone? <laughs> like, I remember just not realizing that that happens later in the story or whatever. So, um, yeah, like so so many moments. I mean, like yes, and then also, and we're going to the moon. Awesome, this is great. I mean, yeah. like I I like um, I always forget how spoilery you you get on these shows, but like the the relationship that Cecil has even with like you know other characters in the game um, mm-hmm. uh, is is one of those like that was a mind blowing kind of thing um, in the in the same way that you know you have like you you have like a uh, a Star Wars like I am your father kind of kind of reveal in in this game uh, yeah. we have a couple of those really and uh, and it's just like you know mind blowing for a seven year old kid. <laughs> Yeah, it's all of this is wrapped around or is embraced by arguably one of the best soundtracks in the series. Of course. In the franchise. Yeah. And playing through the game again in the pixel remaster and the new arrangements. Holy crap. Do these arrangements hold up? Absolutely. Yeah. The the. It's definitely because I I booted up the the SNES version and I booted up the Pixel Remaster. I was like, oh yeah, they definitely like they definitely distant distant world did worlds did these whatever yeah. whatever whatever the verb of they right. they took the distant worlds idea and and really kind of said hey like we're not restricted anymore by the the chip tunes um, so yeah we're gonna we're gonna go nuts um, I still like I. I still put the soundtrack of six above it just because I love the, mm-hmm. the like oh, yeah. the character soundtracks of six so much mm-hmm. and the character medleys that you get. But yeah, it's like, I mean, there are so many medleys that uh, as soon as I start hearing them in, uh, in the, in final fantasy four, the pixel remaster, like, Oh yeah. Just like suddenly bloat, like everything's coming back. Like the, the boss fights and, and the, the four fiends theme and, um, uh, and like the opening up with the red wing. Yeah. The... Oh Yeah. Absolutely. The theme of the Red Wings, like the f- the screen fading in, and you seeing the Red Wing or yep. the airships flying in formation. Yep. 
basically yeah the, so the, good. the baron march basically that's that's mm-hmm. almost like a direct rip from the imperial march from star wars like it's it's yeah. it's so like you you can see how those like uh the, those inspirations kind of like play into this game and then how they've been able to build on and expand on it um in in more recent iterations of it um, cuz yeah even in like the the 3D remake of it a remaster that they did on the mm-hmm. DS like that had a you know an up an increased like version of those things but yeah even now they're yeah. even more or- uh, orchestral and stuff so yeah it's it, it i mean Uomatsu's just phenomenal in in, in what he does so sh- oh, shout out to 100%. him for you know all, all of the music that he has given us like I I think I may have said something like this on on last time. If I didn't, it's something I, I'm remedying now because I think it all the time. Like in the same way that like Mozart and Beethoven and stuff are played in symphony halls today, I very much mm-hmm. I firmly believe that like the music of Uematsu and like John Williams are going to be what are played like video games and movies are going to be what are played in symphony halls 300 years from now. Um, and, mm-hmm. and like the fact that distant worlds has, has been doing that, you know, already. Um, and to, to like sell out, uh, um, uh, halls and stuff I think is, is phenomenal work. So yeah, shout out absolutely to the music in this game. Yeah. It, it it's so funny to think back and, how big of a deal it was when the initial the original dear friends orchestral tour Mm -hmm. was announced i mean oh this was i was in high school i want to say so like freshman or sophomore year but like what a big deal it's like oh this is such a unique thing it's never going to happen again and just the success it's seen has spawned different concerts and like you said distant worlds constantly going around it seems and like every time they come through there's some new tracks coming but there's always a few tracks from final fantasy 4 there but what great music to even listen to in uh in an orchestral setting it's like it's funny for uh we mentioned this a little earlier uh before we started recording but for listeners i got married not too long ago in for our um like seating song like tracks while people were sitting we had worked in some game soundtracks um and becky my wife did like some disney songs but i was always doing uh the occasional game track and like yeah uh rose's theme was cecil yeah like that was uh terror's theme little things like that and then exiting to brass day chocobo from final fantasy 10 is like these these songs they are just good pieces of music even if you can play them especially like orchestral covers or whatnot of them people will be like this is just a really good orchestral track oh is this like beethoven is this mozart no it's no it's from final fantasy it's (laughs) you know yeah i uh while while on this topic i want to give a shout out to um the final fantasy 6 boss fight books um i'm trying to look at the the writer sebastian deacon um wrote the boss fights fight books for final fantasy six and it's like he is a like a he like he went to school for music composition and stuff and he mm. like he breaks down final fantasy six the music of that as well as just kind of like music history especially the dueling history of like dragon quest music versus and and final fantasy's uh, music mm-hmm. and one of the things he really hones in on is 
that Final Fantasy music is like deceptively simple in that you can hum it and you can sing it because it all stays within like a range and and Umatsu really focuses on a singable melody in a way that mm. like video games wasn't doing at the time um and uh it's just it's it's incredibly like I, I loved the book as you know a, a Final Fantasy fan as a fan of Final Fantasy 6 and as a you yeah. know a, a, somebody who who did a lot of musical stuff in high school and, and stuff like that. It's, it's phenomenal. And I think is very fitting in with, uh, with this conversation. So I want to give a shout out to that. Oh, definitely. I'll have to check that out. So to kind of bring this around, what is the defining moment for final fantasy four for you? Like when you think, or when someone mentions final fantasy four, like what moment or what aspect of the game, like instantly comes to your mind? Um, I mean, it's probably like the Palamporum moment, um, of, like of of them turning themselves to stone. Like that's like just story wise, like that is the thing that jumps out and sticks with me. Um, because it's it's these kids who are originally like brought into the story to spy on you because you know, admittedly you had gone in and completely screwed up their town, um, and they don't mm-hmm. they don't think they can trust you, and and they you know, with so little time um, in that journey to to be with Cecil in his, like, in his quest to become a paladin, kind of, like, you know, remove the Dark Knight past of him. Um, they, they're just, like, I love their banter. I love their, I mean, they, they, they work together great as a team with their twin cast ability that, like, which is also, like, something that I feel like I haven't seen in Final Fantasy since this abil- this this idea of, like, you can only cast this thing if both people like cast it um, kind of thing, or, or yeah. if both people are available, like if one of them is knocked out, you don't have this ability. Uh. Um, uh, but then, uh, you know, you go back to Baron and, and you, you know, do this, these couple of fights and then, you know, things go South. And as you try to escape these kids, these like, you know, 10 year old kids or whatever, sacrifice themselves to get you out. They don't know that they're going to mm-hmm. be, you know, potentially saved or anything um so like i just remember that being like this this profound sacrifice um because it's like tella you know when when tella sacrifices himself like you kind of expect it it's it's he's he's the old you know wizened mage um yeah um but but these guys kind of giving up it's it's like just the this tragedy of of the impact of this like war and this this quest for the the crystals on the youth of this world um and uh and so yeah that's definitely a, a standout um like story moment but then also i mean like up from a gameplay perspective it does things that i just i don't remember like i remember being like oh i have to think about these games in a different way like mm-hmm. even the the you know, in the fight to become the paladin, like you have to not fight. Um, and it, like, I remember that just being like breaking my brain. Um, we talk about it and, and it's, it'll be, you know, it'll be featured later in the, in the bestiary segment, but like the, um, the Troya cave where you can't wear metal in there because if you do like the, the elf is basically cast a spell or whatever. And, and anything, if you, if you go in there with any metal at all, that character will be paralyzed and you won't be able to attack. Um, like I remember just like, so I had to completely change out my, my strategy and my, my, like my, what I was preparing to do. Um, and it made me like approach the game in a different way. 
Um, and mm-hmm. and so like those elements of the game stick with me. The the even the I mean, it's it's been so long at this point since I've really like made it through the Zero Must fight at the end. But like even that has elements of like you can't kill him the normal traditional just like beat him up way. Like you have to use items yeah. to to like finish that fight and to unlock his final form so you can actually yeah. like damage him. Yeah. yeah, and just like just the the like the the novelty of those kinds of aspects of the game um, really you know. Are are other elements that really stick with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I will always think back to the paladin fight, uh, like when Cecil becomes a paladin, yep. like having to like shed his um his past mm-hmm. and his Dark Knight tendencies, and like you having to like hold back and not attack, um, as a way to win, um the opening just with the red wings that that fade in with the the airships flying over the the world map and that dun 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 it's like it's so ingrained like in in my memory with that game and it's it like you don't expect that you're going in and you're playing the bad guy and that's that's exactly what you're doing for the first like you know little chunk of the game there and it's like oh i don't i don't like this i don't like that i'm the bad guy that i'm going in here and and attacking these like innocent people um on on behalf of this king who's you know maybe not all there um and then yeah again like we like i mentioned earlier like the even that going into the village of the summoners and and you know that bomb ring coming out and just the little bomb images are another thing mm-hmm. that absolutely sticks with me from from that and and Rydia crying over the body of her her dead mother um it's like man that is that is an introduction to a character <laughs> oh yeah and then like kane wanting to just like end her like end Rydia right there yeah. and it's like it it definitely punches you in the emotional gut really quickly um and I mean, at this time, we hadn't gotten Final Fantasy 2, we hadn't gotten Final Fantasy 3, we would really just gone from the kind of nameless heroes, nameless band of adventurers you have in Final Fantasy to what is going on, they're named characters, they, they have these motivations, they have all this stuff, They like these goals and dreams and this intrigue and plot twist, it's, it was such an elevation, like, in terms of even video game storytelling at the time it was very just so impressive yeah we are not the only ones that really love final fantasy 4 so we are going around the web first up we have user mr basic from reddit they say palum and porum Love those crazy twinnies. Let's burn some elixirs to depetrify them to no avail. LOL. Yes, you can just waste items on them. <laughs> yeah. And what a, a kind of not like a bait and switch or like a tease that um, you can interact with them and use items on them, but nothing works. Yeah. Yeah. Um. To really kind of hit home the that feeling of we just lost two children. Like, did this game really just kill two kids? Yeah. 
All of our efforts are futile. Yep. Yep. Very, very true. Want to take the next one? Sure. Uh, Jim105 from Reddit says, I must have been seven years old when I played Final Fantasy IV, a.k.a. Final Fantasy II USA on the SNES. There are so many moments that stand out to me. My favorite moment is hitting Yang with the frying pan. <laughs> Which is is great. Like, uh, like, because even that, and, and admittedly, like, she's not really a three-dimensional character, but you get introduced to Yang's wife. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, when he's, like, in a coma in the in, with the sylphs or whatever, like you go to her in Fabul and and she's like, "All right, here's what you need to do. <laughs> like, he'll snap out of it. You just need to take the, this frying pan and just whack him over." The, like that is a like a quintessential like Final Fantasy humor, <laughs> especially of that era. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that is you know right up there alongside some of the, like the funnier sequences of like a Final Fantasy six or something like that. Um, like, mm-hmm. yep, let's. I mean, it, like, this made frying pans cool way before PUBG. So shout out to so shout true. out to Yang's wife, the true OG frying pan. Next up, we have user Lombax Magnetic from Reddit. They say it was my first Final Fantasy with the Game Boy Advance port. There's so many memorable moments from watching Cecil's complex character come to terms with what's been done and how to atone for his mistakes to Golbez's very menacing tactics to force your hand to the many selfless moves by party members to keep your team moving forward on the goal. Real quick side tangent. This is not part of the quote. Do you pronounce it Cecil or Cecil? I mean, I, 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 I switch, honestly. I, like, I probably said Cecil. Mm-hmm. I mean, A, when I originally played it, I always named, like, the characters after, like, myself and my friends anyway, so I never really even said <laughs> Cecil. I, but I probably now say, I mean, yeah, even there, I, like, I switch between Cecil or Cecil. I think the, the, the DS remake said Cecil, though. I think, yeah. so I think that's where, it's, I mean, it's the same thing for, like, for me, it's always going to be Titus. But no, yeah. Kingdom Hearts na- made it Titus. And, and so yep. there we go. So, so Final Fantasy X ruined for me. Um, why can't they just be named Cloud? Like that's I know, it's, right? it's not Easy. like oh that's suddenly Cloud or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, or is it? Yes, Cecil. And it's, it's and it's the same in um, in like Final Fantasy VI. I always said Seals for the longest time until I realized oh it's actually probably Celeste. <laughs> that that probably makes mm-hmm. way more sense for her name. Um, but yeah, just you know when it, when it wasn't said to you in in these old games, it was kind of you know sure. dealer's choice. Um, Exactly. So yeah, it, it largely probably depends on like, have I watched something recently that has a Cecil in it, or have I watched something recently that has a Cecil in it, and I just kind of go with whatever. True, true. Uh, to carry on Lombax's quote, the next uh, part, they say, the most terrifying moment was your real battle against Golbez, as he paralyzes your entire party and begins to wipe them out one by one, making Cecil suffer only for you to be saved at the last moment by a now grown-up summoner Ridia as you blast him away and recover the party with a net, with a new resolve. The ending of the game was absolutely awe-inspiring too, personally. Seeing everyone return to fight the Giant of Babel was amazing, then traveling to the moon to fight, fight a lunar menace who can control others, and finding out the truth about gold bets. Journeying to the heart of the moon to find Vesuya and your now-saved brother engaged against the menace and seemingly defeating him, but in fact they've only made him stronger. They engage his strength and formed after it blasts the party back, but sadly, they fall and all seems lost. 
but the re remaining party members in Mysidia send their prayers and energy to the party, and Cecil finds the strength to stand up, acquire the crystal from Golbez, and stands alone against his terror. The energy from their allies reaches the moon and gives life back to the party while amazing music plays, and then when Cecil finally unleashes, unleashes the crystal's power with his pure heart, it happens, and the true form of Zeromus awakens into battle of an epic scale and a masterful change of music that really just sets the mood of this is for the fate of everything. I gush super hard about this game, but it got me into an amazing series of games, and I can't thank it enough. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th those those are both incredibly iconic, like, just sequences yeah. of, like, yep, you, like... You face off against Golbez in the in in that like the dwarven castle, and like after after the Calabrina fight, which is another f like great one, um, or Calca Calcabrina, whatever Calcabrina, um, I think. And and yeah, like he he wipes you out, and you're like, well, all hope is lost. And then Ridia, who you lost, you know, hours ago in the game or whatever, <laughs> like returns and has aged up like eight years or whatever because time works differently in the land of the summoners. Just like that was so cool and such a great return for that character. Um, and then, yeah, that just the, the iconic element in that final battle of, again, like all of your characters are taken down and, and eliminated, but then like one by one, the prayers mm -hmm. of, of your other party, like they're, they basically like appear to you in ghost form, which is again, probably why I thought they were dead. Um, but yeah, but like they're, they, they astral project to the moon and like revive you like character by character and, and prepare you for the final battle. And it's just like, Oh, such good stuff. So good. So, so good. Uh, up next we have a uh, curse with a Q from Reddit. Uh, I played it way back in the 90s when I was 8 years old, and it was the first RPG I managed to play without help from my older brother. For this old of a game, it's full of emotional scenes. The greatest, F, uh, the greatest Final Fantasy original soundtrack of all time. Characters with just enough depth to make you care. Um, I'll, I'll borrow from an older post of mine, but the game is just jam-packed with non-stop progression and story delivery. In just the first hour of the game, uh, you're in an airship getting attacked by monsters and see big spell effects. The song Red Wings is is playing and is one of the best opening tracks that completely sets the militia tone. You are the Dark Knight commander that has stolen a crystal from helpless elders. Coming back, uh, you have questioned against and pissed off your king, thus being removed from your command. You're then tasked to travel with a dragoon through caves where you end up fighting a mist dragon. Reaching uh, Mysidia, you accidentally... Uh, this wasn't Mysidia, but... Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, reaching that the, the town of the, the summoners, you actually torch uh, the place to rubble. Fooled by the king, you've killed a little girl's mother because her soul, or whatever, was tied to the mist dragon. In fear, she calls upon Titan, bringing down the mountain and separating you from Cain the dragoon. You escape with the girl to meet the famous wizard Tella, battle an octopus, get introduced to summons in battle for most of us for the first time in Final Fantasy. You find the love of your life sick in bed and must travel to acquire the sand ruby by battling the ant by battling an antlion to cure her. Traveling up a mountain blocked by ice, you try to get the little girl to cast fire on it, but she's reluctant and fearful after watching her entire town burn and mother die. This and more can be experienced in the first hour. It's a nonstop story that keeps delivering with the minimal grinding or slowdown. The game is a complete package. Um, absolutely, yeah. Just in in it very much a like jam packed, doesn't let up um, kind mm -hmm. of opening sequence. It goes hard from like moment one. Yeah. Uh, and and the, like the stakes for all of those things are through the roof. Like yeah, yeah and, like it, I remember you get because you get that like, that one scene with Rosa in in uh, in Baron. 
and uh, and and it's like, oh, okay, like they have a they're they're in a relationship, they have they're they're a thing, and then you find her in uh, is it uh, Damsian? No, Damsian's the that's the the that's castle. Um, but you you find her in that oh, like yeah. desert village, Kalipo maybe, mm-hmm. um, or am I now now am I saying a, a, a Zelda thing? I don't know, uh, but she's there and she's like you know caught this desert fever or whatever. It's like. Oh, we need to save the love of your life now. Yeah, holy crap. Okay, let's let's get on that okay. too. Good times, good times. Next up, we have user Sage Valent from Reddit. They say, I remember that I sat and listened to the love theme right at the start of the game during the conversation between Cecil and Rosa. I also remember getting the uh, obvious outcome when fighting... I, re- I also remember getting the obvious outcome when fighting that imp in the final dungeon that casts scan on itself. You hit it with its weakness, and it goes nuclear. I was young and curious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, playing the tricks. Indeed. Uh, Fallen X Cross, uh, or Fallen Cross Cross, I don't know, from Reddit, uh, says, Not really a memory from the game itself, but it's basically the first game I played in English. Born in France and a huge fan of Final Fantasy VII through IX, released in French. We didn't have any before those ones. I immediately bought this one when it was released along with five, and, well, it was in English, a language I basically didn't speak at the time. But basically didn't speak at all at the time. Sure, we had some English class, but let's say that my grade was close to zero or American F, and I didn't know, uh, I didn't even know what to be actually meant. I played this entire game using a dictionary to check out every word. Uh, there were a lot of slangs and transcribed accents, so even then it was awfully hard to understand, but no matter how hard it was, it was Final Fantasy and I had to play this. My grade in English changed drastically after this, and even though I missed a lot of the story at the end, I understood big parts of it and felt pretty proud of myself for that. Shout out to that. That's a that's a cool story. Reminds me. Yeah. I, uh, I remember I played... Uh, I emulated uh, Pokemon Gold and Silver before it got released here, mm-hmm. and it made it pretty far in those games, not understanding a lick of Japanese. <laughs> um, but yeah, I made it. I made it to at least like the third, uh, the third trainer, I think, um, or third badge. Um, yeah, and I just remember like when it finally came came uh, came out here, I was like, oh, this is way easier now. <laughs> like I, I, I think of I think of somebody like Andrew Goldfarb playing Persona Five in Japanese a year and a half before it comes out here, oh, um, yeah. and then and and. and uh, I remember, like, I will always remember the story of him not realizing the the thing that, like, very early on in the game, the the head of LeBlanc basically says, like, hey, just go, like, turn the sign around. And so he has to, like, all you had to do was go out, flip the sign, and then go mm-hmm. back in. But he went and, at, and like, interacted with everything in the town to try and figure out what he needed to do because he just didn't know. And I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, that that's rough. So... Shout out to uh, Fallen X Cross for having the, the smarts to have the dictionary alongside so so they could follow along with yeah. uh, what they should actually be trying to do. True. As someone who has attempted a few times to play through RPGs in a language I don't understand, uh, specifically the Legend of Heroes, and I also tried attempted Persona because I imported those as well, or Persona 5. Uh, super hard. I applaud you for your tenacity to get through it. Um, so bravo, and I hope to have your tenacity one day. But thank you to each and every one of you who submitted your favorite moments and memories of Final Fantasy IV today. We really appreciate it. As always, down in the show notes, you can find links to the subreddits where you can add and submit your own favorite memories, and I can't wait to read them.
Now, let's say after Trevor and I have gushed about this game and you heard the others talk about it feverishly as well, you might be wondering where you can get it. Well, it's pretty easy. First off, digitally, you can find it on Steam and um, various digital platforms, uh, like mobile platforms, between ranging between $15 and $20, depending on the version. Currently, the main ones you can pick up, uh, like on Steam, include the um, 3D remake, which is tells the same story, has the same characters, but is harder and uh, has some new mechanics. Uh, there's also the brand new Pixel Remaster that came out, which is a more faithful adaptation and kind of update of the original SNES version. And with the physical version, prices range <laughs> between the Game Boy versions, the Super Nintendo versions and stuff. So I'm not going to go through the entire list because there's tons, but you can check out PriceCharting.com to get the full range. But this isn't that rare of a game. Well, I was going to say it's not that rare. It's not that rare of a game, but with retro game prices soaring right now, it's a lot higher than it used to be. Yeah, it'll so. it it's one that like I wonder if the market took a hit a little bit when the Pixel Remaster version came out. Like I have not checked one of my like local mm-hmm. retro stores to see, but I feel like the last time I did it was like, oh, this was like if I wanted like the SNES cart, it was like 60 bucks or something like that. And I was like, hey, well, thank God I already have it. <laughs> um, but yeah. I definitely ha- this this is a game that I've had to rebuy once or twice on my on the original SNES because like um, I, I mean, there's probably one that, like, I just destroyed the cart because I, I rage quit at some point and I, like, pulled it out of the SNES mm-hmm. and threw it against a wall and, oh, that's not great for those carts. Um, so I definitely had to, like, rebuy it back back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but then, yeah, I think I've also had to, I think, I think this was one, like, I had traded with a friend at one point in time and, um, yeah, no, this, I, I traded my copy of Final Fantasy II to a friend of mine for their copy of Dragon Warrior 4 um, and then that friend moved away <laughs> uh, before we could like swap back so I never got my original like Final Fantasy 2 cartridge back and had to basically rebuy it um, you know again this was like this was back in the 90s still but mm-hmm. um, and I still have their cartridge of Dragon Warrior 4 uh, well for what it's worth you came out on top of that because a loose Dragon Warrior 4 cart is going for about 130 bucks whereas a loose Final Fantasy 2 cart is going for about 55. Huzzah. <laughs> but I'm not <laughs> so there you I'm go. not going to give up like playing and uh, as Taloon. Oh, yeah. That like I have so many fond memories of of being that little shopkeeper oh, yeah. guy. <laughs> oh, Dragon Quest 4 is fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic, but uh, so yes, still fairly easily, like, retro shops will have them, and I mean, there's so many different versions, you can find fairly easily a way to play this game. Now, let's say you have found yourself a copy of Final Fantasy IV, and you want some tips or tricks or advice to help you on your way. Well, we're here to help you with that as well. So Trevor, what tips or advice would you give to brand new players? So I have two. One is purely cosmetic. Um, find the naming way guys. They, they basically wear funny little hats and there's usually like one in at least every town. Um, and you can rename the characters, whatever names you want. Um, because this, this game exists from a time where you could do that, I guess, except for like the 3d remake, um, version. I don't think, I think because that has voice acting, you're mm-hmm. locked into those, those character names, but, um, uh, but like the pixel remaster, you can still do that. Um, uh, and then the the actual like gameplay one I will say is um, 
littered throughout the world, there are the little chocobo um, uh, uh, forests um, where you basically like it's it's going to be like a little f- basically like a four square kind of patch of forest, usually amidst like another forest or something like that. Uh, you go into those um, and. There's a there's the fat chocobo in there where you can like store items if you need to store items because that's a thing we had to do back in the day, um, but uh, uh, the olden days. Y- yeah, but more so I would even say is um, uh, the thing I always do with those is heal yourself up, like use whatever magic spells you need to like get yourself to full health, and then uh, talk to a white chocobo and they will restore your MP, um, so you don't have to like trek your way back to town if uh if you're you know out there in the in the wilds um you can just kind of do that little shortcut um and get yourself fully healed for free there you go perfect for me uh my advice is if you are having trouble with this game if you're running into bosses and you're just like oh i can't beat them this game comes from a era where all you really need to do if you're having issues is grind a bit um if you can't beat a boss, grind a bit. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, there's not much outside of that. You don't... You're quite frequently, pretty much every time you get to a new location or a new village with, a like, a weapon shop, they will most often than not have a better weapon than you currently have. So just make sure you're buying the best weapons in the shops. And if you have issues, grind. I mean, it's a, it's a very simple... Um, straightforward thing. So, yep. That would be that would be my advice. Uh, I just remembered uh, another like f- just fun little Easter egg that I love about this game mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. in the in the dwarven castle that you can basically like go find like the room of the developers, um, like as as just a, like a hidden little fun little thing, and mm-hmm. and you can go in there and you can like basically talk to the the creators of the game, and they'll just kind of be in there hanging out. And I just remember like thinking that was so cool and like fourth wall breaking. Um, oh yeah, like I, I've seen that in many a game since, obviously, but like that was probably the first time I'd really encountered that um, mm-hmm. uh, at at that time. So it's just another fun little thing that's out there if you want to go look for it. Yeah, and note that has that developer room has been removed in the Pixel Remaster. Oh, was it? So if you, boo. Yes. It has a sign on the door, like to go into it, saying something about it that it's closed, that the shop is closed or whatever. Boo! Because they even put it in the three D room in the three D remake. They mm-hmm. they they kept it in there. That seems that seems like a weird weird call. But yeah, but who knows? But we are on to perhaps my favorite part of each episode, the monster or enemy of the week. So, Trevor, what enemy are you throwing into the arena this week? I am throwing in the Dark Elf. Um, as I mentioned, I I loved the like the the mechanic of this fight um, growing up. The idea that like his whole kind of dungeon, you had to go in with like just cloth equipped and and like wooden hammers and stuff like that. You couldn't take your sword and your your like metal armor, especially for like Cecil. Um, and uh, I just remember that, like, that was so cool. And then I love that, like, you fight this guy and then there's a little story beat in the middle of the fight where this otherwise useless character, <laughs> Edward, basically, like, saves the day by, by you know, distracting uh, the, the elf with his music from, you know, 
from from probably way too far away. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, but that kind of like breaks the trance, and then you can go and, and equip your your you know your your higher powerful gear and just beat the crap out of this guy. Um, so like yeah, I just I, I love the like the just all those different elements of this fight. It is a iconic fight to be sure. Now the Dark Elf has two phases. The first, in the first phase, the Dark Elf is level 15 and has 65,000 HP and 254 attack, 57 magic, and 254 magic defense. He doesn't have any real weaknesses in terms of elemental uh, aspects. Um, he is, he does appear to be weak to restoratives, according to this Final Fantasy wiki page. Um, after you deal damage to him in the second phase, uh, he now has 23,890 health, and he has 245 MP. His attack is 18, magic defense is 254, and he gives you 1,000 experience and 4,000 gil when you beat him. He can sling fire 2, ice 2, lit 2, and whisper. Uh, those are his abilities. Uh... He takes 200% holy damage, so he is weak to holy, so use that against your to your advantage. And eventually, through the power of song and a magic harp, you will be victorious. Hooray! But, yay! And everyone rejoiced, and Edward goes back to bed because he's he overstrained yeah. himself. That's, I, again, I, like, seven-year-old memory of Trevor is like, he was just playing a harp. How did that kill him? Because I thought he died from that. <laughs> did not realize yeah. that, oh, he's just, like, bedridden. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of, you probably shouldn't disguise yourself as a bard if playing your instrument uh, wears you out so much. But no judgment. No judgment. That is going to do it for another episode. Trevor, thank you so much for stopping in. Great to talk to you, sir. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to come on some RPGU stuff. Of course, of course. But where can people find you online? What do you have cooking? Go ahead and plug away. Sure, you can find me at Trevor J. Starkey on Twitter. Uh, and I uh, am over at That Nerdy Site. Uh, so you can go to thatnerdysite.com or at That Nerdy Site on Twitter as well. Uh, we're, depending on when this episode goes out, we're right around um, our two-year anniversary on November 1st. Um, so, uh, so it's, you know, a fun time. We do podcasts, uh, we do let's plays on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash that nerdy site. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, we're usually talking about video games or movies or whatever else we want over there. So you can go check that out. Perfect. Perfect. Be sure to check out all those lovely, lovely people over at that nerdy site. Give them a follow. Listen to their stuff. Congratulations on the upcoming anniversary and the recent 100 episode mark. That is super exciting and well-deserved. Thank you, thank you. Of course. And thank you to each and every one of you who's listened today. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, as I'd really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at underscore RPG University with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion, or you can share your favorite RPGs and memories directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind and know the, be kind to one another. Excuse me. Class dismissed, you spoony bards.